Welcome back to the Below Average Joe's MMA Show. On today's episode, we will be recapping all things UFC 297. There weren't any big fight announcements or news to come throughout the weekend, other than the fact that Mr. Frankie Edgar is the first inductee to the 2024 UFC Hall of Fame wing. So my hat is off to the legend Frankie Edgar, the former champion, one of the craziest rival trilogies of all time with Gray Maynard, a legend in three different weight classes, an absolute privilege and honor that he is deserving of being in the UFC Hall of Fame. So with that out of the way, let's get into UFC 297, the good, the bad, and the ugly right now. UFC 297 saw two and new UFC champions. Now, one was guaranteed in the women's bantamweight fight, in which we saw Raquel Pennington come out on top, and the other was Drickus Duplessis, the number two ranked middleweight in the world, dethroning the middleweight champion, Sean Strickland. We're going to get into both of those title fights, how they played out, and what could be next for the new champions, and we'll start in the 185-pound division. Drickus Duplessis has continued his perfect run in the UFC and is now 7-0 within the promotion and is a champion of the world at middleweight. He got the victory over the course of a 25-minute back-and-forth stand-up fight with Sean Strickland where he did get the decision victory. It was a split decision, so it was close. Uh, a lot of people in the aftermath our, my buddy Jordan pointed it out a lot last night, and then I've seen it more so today on Sunday, uh, you know, a 12 hours removed from when the event ended. And there is a lot of people that think, including the boss man, Dana White, Sean Strickland, won this fight. Um, to me, it felt like one of those that could have went either way. Um, from what I recall, without having going back and watched it a second time, uh, you know, watching it live, the third round was the one that I remember looking at my buddies and thinking, hmm, that was kind of a toss-up. That could be the round to decide the fight. Uh, and here we are. Drickus gets the split decision. It was 48-47 on all three cards, two of which went to the new champion and one that went to Sean Strickland. Drickus uh, was able to keep the pressure and pacing on Sean Strickland, something that Sean is usually the person to do against his opponents. Uh, and that wasn't the case to, on Saturday night. Sean had to be on the defensive. He had a great jab, uh, the first two rounds especially. It remained true for most of the fight, but it was most prominent in those early exchanges. Uh, but Drickus was able to start landing more frequently as the fight went on. He had the more powerful, like, big shots, and Sean had the more, you know, like I said, that jab, and it cut up Drickus pretty bad. He had a pretty banged-up eye. Drickus did cut Sean pretty badly in, I think, the fourth or fifth round. So at the end of the night, they were both very much banged up. It was a good fight. It wasn't this all-timer that people will go back and watch for years and years to come, but it was a solid scrap between two guys that clearly wanted to be the champion. And I'll say this, you know, I joked about it, you know, on the uh, preview show where I'm like, you know, somehow, someway, Drickus has garnered a 6-0 record in the UFC, now 7-0 after Saturday night. 
And in all of his fights, pretty much they have been ugly. They they haven't came easy really in in a majority of these fights. But now you really start looking at this resume that he's racking up in what has only been seven UFC fights. Brad Tavares, Darren Till, Derek Brunson, Robert Whitaker, now Sean Strickland. That's a very powerful resume in, in such a short amount of time. His first fight in the UFC was October of 2020, so just over that three-year mark. He has become a champion and racked up a very good resume, and it brings up the question of who is next. So in his post-fight interview with Daniel Cormier, Drickus called for a fight with Israel Adesanya, which would obviously be a massive fight. The Battle of Africa, the former two-time middleweight champion who you know, made an incredible run in the middleweight division, I believe 12 straight wins. It was the second most all-time just outside of Anderson Silva. Drickus undefeated in the UFC. The storylines, the rivalry is all there. Israel has said he wants to take a long layoff, and how long is long for him? I, probably not as long as what it is to other people because Israel is such an active champion that even five or six months is a pretty long layoff for him. Uh, the other option is someone who called him out on Twitter, and that was Hamzat Chemaev, who made a move up to 185 in what seems to be you know, for the foreseeable future when he got a victory over Kamaru Usman uh, around the back half of the year of 2023. I had seen prior to, you know, during this fight week out there that Hamzat was kind of said to be next up. I, I've not heard Dana or anything super official say that just yet. And if it's out there, please let me know because I just haven't seen or heard it. Uh, but it could definitely squeak through the cracks. Uh, I would want to see Hamzat Chemaya versus Drikas first. I, I don't mind Adesanya getting a break. And you, you add in the fact that, you know, over that second title run, he won the belt back and then lost it in his first defense. So I know he was like this long reigning champion that did deserve a rematch. And that is what he got when he got his second fight with Alex Pereira. But this time around, I feel like, again, is he such a massive star? I'm not going to be upset if he gets this title fight. It, it would be a huge fight, him and Drickus. But I'd like to see Adesanya get one fight at least with someone else before getting back into the title picture already. And I think Hamzat is kind of that next big star on the rise. And he really needs activity because when he's been most active is when his stardom has blossomed the most. He brings eyes to everything that he is a part of, even if it's good or bad drama. He, he's going to bring attention, and him versus Drickus has all the makings of a very special buildup and a potential really, really good fight. Let me know what you guys think in the comments below of who you think should be the first title defense for Drickus Duplessis. Should it be Israel Adesanya? Should it be Hamzat Chemaev? Or is there someone else out there that has their name in the hat, kind of like Jared Cannonier does on the outside looking in? Be sure to let me know. And in the co-main event, the vacant women's bantamweight title got its home finally, and that is around the waist of Raquel Pennington, who has amassed this six-fight win streak now, got to the top of the mountain in what was her second opportunity to get a title, and she captured it. It started out a little rocky for her in the beginning, 
no pun intended. Uh, Myra looked good early on rounds one, round two, but there was a point where the tide began to turn, and that's what I felt was going to happen. The longer this fight went, the better chance Raquel Pennington had at winning this fight. I even went as far as betting the fight not to go the distance because I felt Myra would maybe end the fight early, and if not, she would get tired and Rocky would finish her late. There were a couple opportunities where that bet didn't look as bad as it ended up being. There were a couple submission threats. There were big strikes landed at certain points uh, from both ladies. But all in all, Raquel did what she had to do, and it was veteran expertise that got her this victory. She knew that Meyer Bueno Silva got tired. Raquel Pennington was not going to get tired. She's been there. She's done this thing time and time again, and she won those later rounds, and she took the rightful claim to be the women's bantamweight champion. And that means that the post-Amanda Nunes era has officially begun. She retired last May after beating Irene Aldana, relinquished her title alongside the featherweight title, even though that division is no longer a thing for now in the UFC. She was there in the crowd last night. It was kind of cool. She kind of got to not officially pass the torch because she wasn't in there giving the belt around Raquel's waist, but it was cool. They had shared the cage uh, originally when Amanda beat Raquel Pennington in their title fight with one another. So that was cool for her to be there, kind of be a part of that moment where she can officially just relax, be riding off into the sunset as this division continues to move forward. On Friday, I tried to be as positive as I could. I tried to have a good outlook on the future of this division. And this fight, again, much like the main event, not saying it wasn't on the same level as the main event. It wasn't as good as the main event, but it wasn't this all-timer, but it also wasn't this terrible, horrendous fight. You know, it was just kind of right in the middle. It was okay, and, and that's all right with me. I wish we would have got a finish or a big stamp to really have someone take that vacant title and really make it feel like, okay, I am the champion now. We didn't get that. We we move forward here. Raquel Pennington is the new champion. We get it in the first month of 2024. So we have 11 months now to let this division play out, let people climb the rankings. We already have the next title fight pretty much all but booked, which will be Raquel Pennington versus the number one ranked and former champion, Juliana Pena. Juliana Pena does everything in her power to pull eyes to her fights, and to her division. And for that, I give her credit. Cringe or not, she does what she can, and I respect that. And Raquel Pennington is very much not of that same mold. So those two being matched up together could be interesting. Pena's going to try and get under the skin of Pennington. I don't know if it can you know, get to her. Raquel Pennington seems very mentally strong and unbothered. She even kind of washed aside some of the things that Meyer Bueno Silva said this week. Um, so if, if I had to pick today, I, I think Rockville Pennington might win that fight. And, and I think if they had betting odds for it, she should be the favorite. Um, now, do I think that's what would happen? No, I think Juliana Pena would be the favorite. Uh, at the very least, it would be a pick em. So I'll be curious to kind of watch what will come out. I'm sure they'll be out sometime this week on one of those sports books. Um, so it'd be interesting to see that. So we'll see how the, the rest of the division follows suit. We have a new champion who's going to get her first title defense. We just need more activity. We need more of these ranked ladies to get fights. And most importantly of all, 
We need new, fresh prospects and talent to enter this division and make a splash. And now that we are done talking about the two title fights at UFC 297, let's talk about some quick hitters from the rest of the main card and prelims before we head on out of here. It starts in the welterweight division where the seasoned veteran all-time leader in victories at 170 pounds now has amassed 22 total wins in the UFC. Neil Magny comes back on the brink of defeat and not only hands Mike Malott his first loss in the UFC, but finishes Mike Malott at the buzzer. With 15 seconds left, all hope assuming to be lost for Neil Magny. He finds a way to reverse position. He gets on top of Mike Malott in what turned out to be a very, very exhausted, gassed Malott who just had nothing left to give in that fight. And again, at the very end, 15 seconds left, Neil Magny pulls it out of the fire, throws so many strikes on the ground to the point where the referee had no choice but to stop it regardless of how much time was left. So many unanswered shots and an absolutely massive victory and huge upset for the veteran Neil Magny. It was an amazing moment. My hat is off to him. It's He's never an easy fight. He, again, has gotten to the point where he's been like, you know, number seven, number eight in the world. He'll get that, that big next step where he can crack into the top five and he'll falter. But he's never going to fall out of the top 15. He is a perfect welcoming to all newcomers and prospects and even veterans trying to make other runs with their career. Neil Magny is no easy out. And that way, if you beat him, you know, you belong. Mike Malott was unable to get the job done last night. And I'm not saying that the towel is just in on his career all of a sudden, but it did feel like one of those fights that because of the outcome and what we saw as the fight went on, Mike Malad has a lot to improve on and not a lot of time to do it if he really wants to make a run and enter the rankings at 170 pounds. But the night belongs to Neil Magny. Movzar Evloyev will enter the top five of the featherweight division come Tuesday morning after improving to 18-0, continuing his perfect professional mixed martial arts record in a very close fight with Arnold Allen. It was ugly at times. Dana White really didn't like this fight. I thought that was a little harsh. He acted like it was like an all-time terrible fight. I didn't think it was that bad. Um, it wasn't great. Again, there weren't a lot of fights on here that were great, just amazing, super memorable. But this also was far from the worst fight I've ever seen. But he did what he had to do. He gets the victory. Um, Noah Obviously, the one that was started this MMA show with me felt strongly that Arnold Allen had won this fight. So I'll be curious, what do you guys think? Did you think Evloyev did enough to win at least two rounds out of three? Or did you feel Arnold Allen uh, was able to do enough to get the upset victory? Regardless, Evloyev continues his perfect run, and we'll see what will be next for him. Again, assuming he should be top five come Tuesday morning. And then I'll just finish with the four-fight stretch that started the night off because that was the best four-fight stretch we got of the entire night. The early prelims were very good. Jimmy Flick had a big comeback win and got a submission in the first fight of the night. Sam Patterson got a submission victory over Johan Lanessi. But to me, I got to give a shout-out to the Canadian ladies. They were the only two Canadian fighters 
of the night to get a victory. I believe there were nine total fights that featured Canadians, and all seven men lost, but both Canadian women got the dub. Jillian Roberson had a very impressive TKO victory in the second round over Poliana Viana. She improved to 2-1 and one at the 115-pound division and got her ninth finish in the UFC. I believe she's tied for most all-time or second most all-time finishes for the women's divisions. And Jasmine Jazudavicius got a big bounce-back win following her loss to Tracy Cortez last year and may have had one of the... Actually, it's not one of... Uh, it, it could be arguably the most one-sided fight in UFC history. She demolished Priscilla Cachoeira, made her pay for having all the drama with the weight and pulling this fight to 135 last minute. Jasmine said she was going to teach discipline, and that she did. I believe she outstruck Priscilla by over 300 strikes en route to a submission victory four minutes and 21 seconds into the third round. It was astonishing how one-sided this beating was and jasmine is a very very good talent another bright spot in the women's flyweight division so look at this at 115 and 125 two ladies on the outside looking into the rankings getting huge victories something that we need in the women's bantamweight division so my hats off to those two women they had incredible performances ranked fighters next for both of them make it happen ufc and that's all we've got UFC 297 is in the books, the first pay-per-view of 2024. It wasn't amazing. It wasn't terrible. It was just a run-of-the-mill, okay fight card, and I am okay with that. Fights are fights at the end of the day. It's something to do on Saturday night and to discuss with you all. So let me know what you guys thought about the card overall, what you think should be next for the big winners, especially the champions at the top of the bill, Drickus Duplessis and Raquel Pennington. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Have a great week ahead. Uh, we do have an off week upcoming, so if enough news comes out in the coming days, maybe I can get something out for you all on Friday, but we'll see. I am anticipating over the next week or two that UFC 300 will fill itself out, so if we get enough, be on the lookout for something to come Friday. But if not, have a great week, and we'll be back for sure for February 3rd, headlining Fight Night card by Roman Delize and Nasruddin Imavov, so some more movement in the 185-pound division following this championship fight. Have a great one. See you guys then.